0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Motown Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, and I'm joined by Jimmy as always. How are you doing today, Jimmy?
1: I'm doing good, thanks. It's
0: good, it's good so there still hasn't really been any relevant news in the last couple of days i know a couple players have done some press conferences recently but there hasn't really been anything significant or newsworthy to come out of there just some basic upcoming events and how they're doing their virtual stuff recently so i guess we'll just try to find some fun little topics that we can talk about today and first up i know that we jimmy you wanted to discuss the vegas odds for some of our rookies this upcoming year and personally i'm not too familiar with all the vegas odds and all that stuff and the prop bets and stuff so if you want to go ahead and just jump right into that you can go ahead
1: all right it's just a fun thing to discuss and look at because sometimes vegas has maybe a tiny more insight it's the whole collective wisdom thing yeah uh so let's talk about jeff kuda uh what's his int over under it's at three what do you think about that, Jordan?
0: I honestly think it should be a little bit higher. I know this is all just prop bets, and I know this is also going to be depending on how much playing time he gets, but I really think three is kind of the low for him in terms of what he can accomplish. Again, if he comes out and starts immediately from day one, and again, if he can stay healthy and play all 16 games, then I possibly think that he can ex- exceed that very fast.
1: All right, so here's a pop quiz for you. What, How many INTs did the NFL leader have last year? Do
0: I want to say... I think it was nine. Six. Six. Wow.
1: Stefan Gilmore tied with Anthony Harris and Tredavious White. So, really low number, surprisingly.
0: Yeah, that is. The
1: year before that, the high was seven. Mm. The year before that, Slay tied for the high with eight. Hmm. Uh, So.
0: (laughs) I wasn't even close the last few years. Yeah,
1: so it's three INTs is actually. Probably a pretty big number. Mm-hmm. Now, a good comparison for him is Denzel Ward. He was the number four pick in 2018. Mm-hmm. So, Akuda's number three pick out of OSU. Denzel Ward had three INTs in his rookie year. That year, Jair Alexander, who we're all familiar with, with the Packers, he had one INT in his rookie year. Only one cornerback was drafted in the first round last year, DeAndre Baker. He had zero. Three does seem like low just that first glance Yeah, but you might want to go under on that <laughs> even if he has a fantastic year of three ints is still tough to get
0: yeah exactly and it also when you're playing cornerback it's hard to gauge that because it also goes back to how often you get thrown to because that was one of darius slay's arguments all the time is i right. uh people point out he wasn't getting the interception numbers the last couple of years but he claims that he's so great no one's gonna throw to him so exactly If supposedly if he's going to be as good as we're hoping he is, then and he won't be getting thrown to as often. He won't get the opportunities to get interceptions. Also, if you look at some of the quarterbacks that we're going to be playing this year, we've got like Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Kirk Cousins. I mean, and even more to list that that's just the top off my head. So we've got some top QBs we're playing against this year as well. So,
1: right. And what's the best way to get INTs is QB pressure. Mm-hmm. Get that QB under duress, throwing up bad passes. And if our pressure is as bad as last year, it's going to be hard for <laughs> anybody to get INTs.
0: Yeah, it's going to be rough, but we can just hope that our defensive line has been improved more.
1: Yeah. All right, so next guy, DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm. is over under for yardage for the season of 625. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts about that? I mean, if I had to make a bet,
0: again, I'm going over. I don't know how much over I'm going because, again, it comes back to, with running back, it comes back to three things. One, how much we actually run the ball. Two, our offensive line play and how well they can perform. And three, how many snaps is he actually going to get in a crowded backfield with Carrion Johnson, both Scarborough, and our newest right. running back, Jason Huntley, that's if he makes the team. That. Yeah, so it's a crowded backfield, and that's what I'm saying. I, at first glance, like you, when you said, you kind of look at it and you're like, I do think that he can exceed 625, but and when he got health and all these other d- factors that play into a running back's position, it really is up for determination.
1: Yeah, I would throw on a fourth factor, which is how many games are we leading and how good of a team are we. Yeah. we're 3-13 again, we're going to be just throwing the ball the second halves of all these games so
0: exactly
1: hopefully we're uh 10 and 6 team, and we can just pound the ball the entire four quarters
0: yeah we know that's one thing matt patricia has preached and i know daryl bevel the new offensive coordinator same thing that's kind of his style they like to just run the ball and control the clock the entire game so hopefully that's something yeah. we can try to do this year
1: yeah i'm optimistically hoping he's gonna go over 625 i can easily see him having one or 200 yard games so mm-hmm. hopefully he stays healthy and can do it yeah Now, an interesting thing is where he ranks in the Offensive Rookie of the Year standings Mm -hmm. in these Vegas Futures. He's sixth, which is great. That's Mm -hmm. high. He's only behind Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's the first running back taken, Mm -hmm. Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, and Tua. He's Mm -hmm. ahead of every single wide receiver, Uh, and this brings up what we discussed in previous podcasts, which is in the second round, the most impactful position you can probably take is a running back mm-hmm. as far as their impact in their rookie year. So the Vegas features sort of show that this guy's number six in offensive rookie year possibilities.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's extremely high potential and also as you just mentioned i think running back is another one of those positions where you try to get as much value as you can in the first few years under that cheap contract because paying running backs for a high amount of money is we've seen in the past is not the smartest play so i think trying to get the most value in those first few years is definitely a bigger priority for them
1: yeah i agree i think drafting running backs even though a lot of people feel like it's a bad idea to draft running backs i'm of the opposite opinion <laughs> i think drafting running backs in the second round is a great idea you're getting at, at a inexpensive deal for four years and you're getting production from day one
0: yeah exactly
1: so let's talk about defensive rookie of the year these numbers may surprise you even more than <laughs> the offensive rookie of the year akuda and Aquara are both tied for the sixth best odds, along with 13 other players. Wow! So Okora, a third round pick, is tied for sixth best. Yeah. I mean, amazing. He he actually has better odds than Clayvon Chee who Lions fans may have <laughs> wanted. He would in the first round. He's an edge rusher. Yeah. Also, he has better odds than Gross Matos, who went in the second round. Who we thought maybe we should have taken yeah. instead of DeAndre Swift. So somehow in the third round, he actually has better odds than some of the other players. And I'm not exactly sure why, but it's good to see.
0: Yeah, I'm not exactly sure why either. I know he was a little bit highly touted. Again, coming in, I know it was his what leg injury that kind of dropped him down in the draft a little bit. But yeah, he was extremely, I think before the injury, he was projected as a first round pick at the beginning of the season. So, I think they're just kind of factoring it in into how he'll fit in their style of defense, fitting into Matt Patricia's style of defense, again, playing alongside his brother, that he just has that extremely high ceiling as well as DeAndre Swift. But it's, I find it weird that they're kind of tied. Like you said, he's a third-round pick, and he's tied with Jeff Okuda, who some is claiming was the best cornerback coming out of the right. draft.
1: Yeah, the way you win DROI is get a lot of sacks. Mm-hmm. So hopefully O'Quara can just be a sack specialist, even if he does nothing in the run game or really anything else. If he can pick up eight, ten sacks, just either with luck or skill, that's how you win Defensive Rookie of the Year.
0: Exactly. All right. And so moving on, the next topic that we'd like to talk about today is the transformation of Jared Davis recently. I know he's been attending the Michigan Elite Conditioning for Athletes, and they've been helping athletes from all sports take their bodies to top physical condition. Um, in the past, they've worked with Zach Zenner, Deshaun Sheed, uh, Devon Canard, and now, most recently, they've done Christian Jones and Jared Davis as well this season. And if you want to see pictures for yourself, you can just go to their website. I think it's just meccaelite.com I believe, or just Mecca. Dot com something like that but yeah they have pictures of all the before and afters of all the athletes they've done not just lions players but you can see for yourself what they've done with some of these athletes is actually pretty remarkable they've taken they've even worked with Derek fisher from the chiefs who if you again, if you see the before and after pictures he looks pretty incredible the way we've done but going back to the original topic jared davis so do you think um I mean, I know Jared Davis has always been very physical and very powerful, but do you think this is one way that could possibly help save his career if this is going to help improve him? Like like you mentioned earlier, just get more sacks or just improve his play completely.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, let me just touch on on the Michigan Elite thing. Mm -hmm. If they're the ones that are posting these picks for marketing reasons, I wouldn't necessarily take them at face value. Right. Pictures can be slightly altered photoshopped uh somebody is flexing during the before after pick and not flexing in the before pick so i'm not going to take a whole lot into that i still remember zach zedner's picture from last year where he looked like he just turned into a a beast Mm -hmm. but did it help him that year (laughs) in his career no he got cut it really didn't help him
0: exactly so
1: as far as jared davis that's the concern here i have absolutely no issue with turning fat weight into muscle weight right that's not an issue at all however my issue is gaining the reported 20 pounds of weight that's a lot yeah he's starting to turn the same body type as a christian jones or this bigger pounder type Mm -hmm. so there are pros to that increased strength increased ability to take on blocks maybe shed blocks Uh, better ability to do that bull rush up the middle that he was so successful at last year. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be a running back seeing the Jerry Davis freight train coming up the middle this year for sure. But there are cons to that as well with that weight gain, which is decrease agility, Mm -hmm. decrease acceleration, decrease ability to change direction. And from a medical injury type standpoint, some people can handle an extra 20 pounds some people can't Uh, the human body's tendons ligaments and cartilage don't really gain strength like muscles do Mm -hmm. so can those body parts handle the extra body weight so i'd be concerned about acl tear achilles tear in the short term and longer term meniscus and articular cartilage breakdown with the extra weight
0: yeah exactly and as you mentioned one thing about the deceleration and everything like that we know jared davis has already struggled to cover tight ends and some faster slot receivers and stuff like that in coverage so if you add on this extra extra weight and stuff like that that's just going to make them even worse in that category but again as you mentioned it kind of just helps him with the bull rush and the pass rushing ability so it kind of I've been saying this all off season that they've kind of been using Gerard Davis in the wrong way and that they need to be using him more as just a specialist type of pass rusher, a specialist type of down-the-middle type rusher. And I think they might be going forward trying to utilize him in just a specialized type role instead of just a Mike Linebacker or something like that.
1: Yeah, it would be nice to see him get a lot of pass rush opportunities this year because we need somebody to pick it up. We don't have an elite pass rusher out there Mm -hmm. we don't have guys who are going to win one-on-one battles consistently so we're gonna have to scheme it we're gonna have to get jared davis rushing against our running back Mm -hmm. so that hopefully we can get some pass rush out of jared davis this year
0: yeah hopefully like i said we can just try to use him in like that type of specialized type role i mean i don't know if that'll always be good because then that obviously means some if teams see him out on the line they are gonna be like oh they're gonna be blitzing and they're gonna be pass rushing so they might have to come up with some specialized way to use him but again hopefully it's just not strictly out at linebacker anymore even though we're kind of i wouldn't say slacking in that term but that's definitely not one of our deepest groups on the team the moment
1: yeah i
0: agree all right and so moving on to our last topic of the day i wanted to talk about kenny galladay for a little bit i know we're a little bit late to the Conversation, but there's been a lot of people discussing whether he deserves to be the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. And there's a lot of discussions going back and forth, and you can kind of debate either side of it. I guess before we get into the numbers and specifics, I guess what are your initial thoughts on him being the highest paid wide receiver?
1: Yeah, I wanted to do a little deep dive into the whole Kenny Galladay potential extension. And I want to throw Taylor Decker into the mix too, because he's up for extension. And One guy's extension might affect the other guys. So it's going to be fascinating to see how the Lions handle both those guys this Mm offseason. I think we would want to extend both guys as they've both been real good solid players. They're both rock solid from a character standpoint. No off-the-field issues, Mm -hmm. no social media issues, and we know that's important to the Lions. Mm -hmm. There are also no significant injury concerns for either guys decker had a shoulder issue in 2017 for which he had surgery which put him out for four to six months but he seems to have recovered fine from that Mm -hmm. and he also had a back issue in week one of last season against arizona Uh, if you remember he had a horrible game that for week one yeah we all thought oh my god this is (laughs) a big problem but then he took week two off because of the back rested it and then he was solid and Mm -hmm. totally fine the rest of the year so the main obstacle in extending either of these players is if their demands are just too high. Uh, they're both real good solid players, but they're not elite. Yeah. So if they're requesting to be paid at the elite level, say top two or three, or even top one of their <laughs> position, then it's gonna be a just a tough situation for the Lions and a tough decision to make. I liken it very much to the Cowboy situation right now with Dak Prescott. Prescott's a homegrown player, excellent character, real solid good player, maybe in that top 10 (laughs) to 20 range of quarterbacks, but he's not an elite quarterback. Mm -hmm. He's probably asking to be paid as an elite quarterback and probably asking to be paid the number one quarterback right now. So that's why we see the struggle that the Cowboys are having trying to extend Dak Prescott. This has been going on for months they've been arguing about this in the media for months it's not exactly this quiet peaceful negotiation so they like prescott but they don't want to make him pay the highest paid quarterback in the nfl Mm. and we're sort of in that same situation with galladay and decker so let's talk about kenny galladay uh you asked is he worth 22 million Mm -hmm. let's look at the other wide receivers out there right now we have julio jones averaging twenty two million, Amari Cooper, twenty million average. Now these averages are all based on the f- full length of the contract. I know you gotta take guarantees and all this stuff into account, but it's still a good general guideline to how much we c- might expect Ken- Kenny Galladay to get.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh number three is Michael Thomas at nineteen million a year. Tyree Kills at eighteen, Odell Beckham at eighteen, AG Green at eighteen, Mike Evans sixteen DeAndre Hopkins, 16. Brandon Cook, 16. A couple of division guys, Thielen's at 16. And Devontae Adams at 14.5. So where does Kenny Galladay slot into this entire (laughs) group of receivers? Do you have any thoughts?
0: Well, my first initial thing is I would would like to pull up some stats from who you said. Who the first two, Jones and...
1: Yeah, Julio, Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill of so the top four.
0: Which Michael Thomas, I already know, is way past him in stats because he led the league in receptions and yards last year. I think he broke a record for receptions. If I'm, I might be wrong about that.
1: He, no, he's a statistical monster.
0: Yeah. Some,
1: I wonder how much of that is Drew Brees. Yeah. So hall of Famer.
0: Hmm. If we could make the argument, what if you put Michael Thomas on Lions? How would he? How many? It, it,
1: Exactly. I feel like Michael Thomas and Galladay are sort of similar players. They're both tall, physical, great hands, not necessarily that quick or fast. Mm. Uh, if you put Kenny Galladay on the Saints, he might be leading the league in receptions and yards, too.
0: That's what I'm saying. It'd be interesting to see what you do if you flip Michael Thomas and Kenny Galladay. And then that, I mean, obviously it'd be a parallel universe, but it'd be a cool comparison to this whole argument if he deserves to be paid as a top wide receiver because we've talked many times it comes down to scheme quarterback system again how much they like to run the ball compared to passing the ball it all depends the one thing though you can definitely say that his Kenny Galladay personally his stats have improved immensely every single year the only thing is he's down five receptions from last year but other than that he's gone up in yards his average catch is 18.3 yards last year his longest reception was 75 yards He had 11 touchdowns. It's like he's just moved up in all the meaningful stat categories.
1: Yeah, this is playing half the year with a second and third string quarterback, too. Exactly. And second and third string quarterbacks weren't even on the training (laughs) camp roster. Because we just picked up randomly off the street halfway through the season.
0: So, yeah, that's one that's, and again, I, I've i mentioned this on the podcast before. That's one of the reasons I respect uh, DeAndre Hopkins so much, is because his first few years in the year, he was going through quarterbacks like it was nothing, but he's still just put up monster numbers every year so and i feel like kenny galladay could be that type of player too if he plays a whole year with a healthy staffer and healthy galladay and again if our offense is performing as well as it should if if swift can be what we think he is so they're not just double covering galladay and jones every single play i think it'll be really interesting to see what our offense can do this year
1: yep i think that maybe the best comp for kenny galladay is mike evans they're both just Big physical guys, not necessarily fast or quick. They win by winning at the point of attack with those yeah. jump balls, the ball in the air, cornerback draped all over them. But man, they just come down with the ball, just yeah. incredibly at an incredibly high rate. Mike Evans makes sixteen million a year. I'd love it if we could get Kenny for sixteen mil. But what happens if he's asking for twenty mm-hmm. or twenty-two? That's just a, a tough decision. So I wanted to talk about how much. Kenny Galladay and Taylor Decker have made already in their careers. Cause that may impact how readily we can sign these guys. So Taylor Decker's rookie deal, which he's finishing up right now has been five years, $21 million total. Yeah. Kenny Galladay in four years has made $3.1 million total. That's the difference so, between
0: being a third and first round pick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he's made relative jump change. He mm-hmm. hasn't, made that much money. Uh, Now let's talk about how much guaranteed money he could make in this extension. Let's look at Amari Cooper, who got signed in March of this year, similar type player to Kenny Galladay. He got 40 million fully guaranteed and is averaging 20 million a year from the Cowboys. So if we present an offer to Kenny Galladay with 40 million or 35 million guaranteed, that is life altering money. For mm-hmm. This guy, he's going from three million dollars total in his career to thirty-five million guaranteed. That's an enormous amount. That's a lot different than say giving the Taylor Decker thirty-five <laughs> million guaranteed because he's already made quite a bit of money. Sure, it's still a lot more money, but it might not be life-altering for Taylor Decker. So, mm-hmm. Kenny, if I'm advising Kenny Galladay, if I'm his agent or if I'm his family and friends. I'm telling him, sign the deal, Kenny Galladay. Sign it now. Sign it this off season. Don't take that risk of playing out this last year of your contract, taking the risk of injury, taking a risk of a dropping play. Mm-hmm it's just not worth it because you just haven't made enough in your career yet to be turning away 35 40 million guaranteed
0: Well as we you and me have mentioned before he was sort of kind of older as a rookie too when he came into the league because he was what 24 when he came into the league 23? yeah i
1: want to talk about their ages too because that, that's an important point to bring up mm-hmm. right now Kenny Galladay is 26 years old, his yeah. birthday is in November. Taylor Decker is also 26, his birthday is in August. So both guys will be 27 years old during this season.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So a four-year extension for either guy puts him at 31 years old at the end of the contract, which is totally fine. Exactly. With a guy like Kenny, his game is not based on extreme elite athleticism, like change of direction or speed his strength is size height ability to track the ball and most importantly his incredible ability to win those contested yeah. balls. and those things aren't going to be affected as much by age and in fact they might actually be improved mm-hmm. as he gets older with just more practice and more reps so his career in his play reminds me a lot of larry fitzgerald a similar kind of guy who's not an elite athlete mm-hmm. but that's been extremely productive just because he's got such good hands and he can track the ball so well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember, but Larry Fitzgerald came out the same year as Roy Williams, mm-hmm. who's been out of the league for, forever yep. at this point. So what was that, 2004?
0: Like, I think it was four or five, uh, yeah, one of the really. two. So that's like 15 years he's been in the league, something like that.
1: Yeah, so Kenny Galladay plays the same way as Larry Fitzgerald, so he could have a very long career also. Mm-hmm. So... Extending Kenny for four to five years from the Lions standpoint should not be a big issue.
0: I mean, you could even look at someone like Anquan Bolden, too, who the Lions brought in late in his career. And even when we brought him in late, he was still pretty productive yeah. for the Lions. And I think he played another year after the Lions as well. Didn't he, didn't he play one more? I think he played one more contract out after the Lions with somebody it, else.
1: Yeah, he might have gone somewhere else. Yeah, I but believe you're right. So. He, he, he's a similar type player. He's just a big physical guy. Not fast or quick, but just big and physical with good hands.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I completely agree. And that's the one thing to look at too, though, like you said, if you, we extend him out for four or five years, he's 31, 32. How much are we going to really give him an extension or what kind of big, are we, what kind of contract are we going to give him after that? So this could be his only chance to get a really big contract for his big, like the big break in his career.
1: Yeah. So since we got two guys who we're hoping to extend, ideally we get at least one of those guys extended this offseason that way we have the franchise tag as mm-hmm. an option for the other guy uh let's look at the franchise tag numbers for 2020 for the offensive tackle it's 15 million wide receiver it's 18 million and that mm-hmm. was a surprise to me that yeah. the wide receiver tag is so much more than the offensive tackle tag yeah so i think we really need a route for kenny to get signed this offseason so that we can potentially use a franchise tag for Taylor Decker if we can't extend him.
0: Yeah, which I think is perfectly reasonable. I think $15 million for one year for Taylor Decker, and again, depending on his play to see if he can get another contract or, or just let him walk in the free agency. But if I had to give you one hypothetical question, and the Lions were only to sign one of them long-term, and you had to choose between... Taylor Decker, Kenny Galladay. Which one would you choose to sign long term?
1: Wow, that's a that's a great question. I mean, my initial response is Kenny Galladay, just because he's been exciting. He's been a third round pick, this diamond in the rough, and we just don't get those yeah. very often in the Lions organization. Uh, and our receiver room is old, <laughs> and we don't have a young guy. We don't have a C.D. Lamb. You know, I have a, a guy we just drafted that could potentially take over. So it, it would really concern me if Kevin Galladay left. But then again, the same thing can be said about Taylor Decker. If if he leaves, hey, you don't know how bad life is when you're playing with a bad offensive tackle. It just yeah. gets ugly.
0: Yeah, we have seen plenty of years with the Lions have had bad offensive lines, so we know exactly how that goes. Mm-hmm. And that's why, again, I think if I had to answer that question, I kind of lean with your opinion that we should sign Galladay, because, again, I agree with everything you mentioned. It's not like we ever find someone, we get lucky and find a third-round pick who could be a potential all-star or top-five player in the league at his position in the third or fourth round or something like that. But at the same time, when you think back to all the years that we've had bad offensive line, I'm just seeing Stafford run for his life all the time, it just... It sucks, especially with him getting later into his career. You don't want him being sacked as so often. So, like you said, at first thoughts, I'd like to go Galladay, but in, when you kind of look at it, I think Decker would probably be the smarter. Again, And it comes back to his health uh, and consistency. You.
1: Yeah. Right. You make a good point about Stafford getting older. He's had two back injuries that have cut a season short the past two years so Mm. skimping off the offensive line is a bad idea
0: exactly but again like i just mentioned it comes back to his health and his play too this upcoming year because you've mentioned he has had a couple surgeries but other than that he's been pretty consistent so but same thing with him with him getting older too like you said he's gonna be 27 and if we extend him he will be 31 32 at the end or depending on how long so it all depends on how much they think he can stay healthy throughout that time of that contract
1: yeah so let me tell you what the offensive tackles around the league are making number one guy is tungso at 22 million a year Mm. lane johnson 18. (laughs) costanzo 16. taylor Lewong 16. nate Solder 15. so the top guys in my opinion, aren't making that much money. It, it, that's a good number to me. If we can get Taylor Decker in that fifteen, sixteen range, yeah. I'm a hundred percent good with that. Sign me up for that.
0: Yeah, I, that's what I was just about to say. I don't think he's in like a Lane Johnson, or um, I don't personally. I haven't watched Larry Tunsil too much, but I don't know if he deserves to be the number one. But I definitely don't think Taylor Decker deserves twenty million a year. But I do think for around 15, 16, because like you said, he has been very consistent, maybe not top five in the league, but he's definitely, I think, worth 15, 16 million a year for three, four years possibly.
1: Yeah, Tunsil sort of screwed up the market because Houston traded a first-round pick for him, mm-hmm. which gave him enormous leverage to yeah. get a big deal. Same thing with the wide receiver with Amari Cooper. Cowboys traded number one pick for him. They can't let him walk so yeah. they had to give him a over market deal
0: yeah it's crazy how some of those contracts work like that because like i said i've not haven't watched his film too too much i haven't really watched i know he was winning on the dolphins before and i haven't really watched him too much to know exactly how well he plays but i don't think he's deserving of that number one overall paid offensive right, tackle
1: right so another thing you guys might be wondering about is the transition tag that's the other tag that's less commonly used and less important but is also an option so mm. this is what the transition tag is it's a one-year guarantee contract like the franchise tag Yeah. that is based on the five-year average cap percentage for the tag at each position but the transition tag averages the top 10 as opposed to the top five uh, for the franchise tag so the The tag is a bit cheaper, so it's like a million or $2 million cheaper than the franchise tag, Mm -hmm. both at the wide receiver and offensive tackle position. However, the reason it doesn't get used very much is the tag allows the player to sign an offer sheet with another team. And then the original club has five days to match. Yeah. So what happens sometimes is you get these poison pill type things or another team is willing to offer Kenny Galladay $22 $22 million a year because they feel like they're a wide receiver away from the Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> like say, the Eagles or the Packers or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that can expose your guy to getting an over-market contract and then you end up lo- losing him anyway. Mm-hmm. Whereas the franchise tag, you're guaranteed to have that guy at a Fixed known cost for the next year.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Lions play it out. Like you said, the smartest play if they're trying to retain both of them would be to be extend Galladay and then hopefully either franchise tag Decker or maybe work out some type of a little bit cheaper deal or team friendly deal later for the deadlines up. But as you mentioned too, hopefully, depending on how much he wants to stay with the Lions, if he's willing, because he's already made a few million being a first round pick, maybe he's willing to take a little bit of a pay cut to stay with the team if he feels that we're going in the right direction.
1: Yeah, who knows how players are actually thinking behind the scenes, it's hard to say. Again, as I mentioned at the beginning, it depends on how much these guys are asking for. Mm -hmm. If they're asking for a reasonable amount, yeah, great, we can sign them this offseason. But if they're asking for something unreasonable, it's not necessarily the team's fault oh, yeah, right. that we didn't extend these guys. They, they might have just been asking for too much.
0: And that's kind of, obviously, I love the, the part of social media where we get little bits of information that come out like this, but also you only get one side of the story when it comes out. Because like you said, yeah. when it comes out that the Lions are releasing – Taylor Decker or whatever, blah, 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 or trading him or hypothetically like, and the team just gets all blown out of proportion or Twitter blows up and everyone starts freaking out. But really, they don't see what happened behind the scenes or how much he was unhappy with the team or how much his agent was demanding. Right. Maybe again, you only get one side of the story when social media sometimes.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of Graham Glasgow. He was a good, solid player for us. We wanted to re-sign him, and we're wondering, why are we not offering him a contract? Why are we not re-signing him? Well, Mm -hmm. maybe he was asking for way the heck too much. Mm -hmm. And so it's not necessarily the Lions' fault that we didn't keep a solid offensive guard like Graham Glasgow.
0: Exactly. And also sometimes the players just don't want to be somewhere. Sometimes they want to get right. out and go into free agency and they just tell the team. And again, that doesn't get out. It's not like they're going to come out right. on social media and say, I said that I didn't want to play in Detroit anymore. So, so I, that's why they didn't offer me a contract.
1: Yeah, unless you're a guy who has incredible leverage <laughs> like Slay, who yeah. hit, hit, wanted, just wanted to get the heck out of here.
0: Yeah, well, that's a di- that's a completely different story. But yeah, like I said, most players, when it comes into those negotiations, they're not going to come out and say, I didn't want to play for the city anymore. So fans see that as teams not wanting to play pay their players or whatever, vice versa. But really, it's the players who actually didn't want to be here. So. Right.
1: So the bottom line is... As a fan, from my standpoint, I'm always rooting for our draft picks to sign extensions. Mm -hmm. Just because I love to see continuity and legacy. I think there's a lot of value in it. Great seeing a guy like Chris Spielman, who's still involved with the Lions, who still feels like he's part of the Lions. He played about eight years here. He played the last couple of seasons with the Bills, but we consider him a Lion. Mm Mm-hmm. As opposed to a guy like Ndamukong Su. He played five years here, but has played with a bunch of other teams since, and I don't consider him a Lion. Yeah, we drafted him. He played for us for a little bit, but he's not exactly a guy we're inviting back for reunions. and celebrating anyway in the future
0: right exactly i mean you can even see the same thing about um guys like tj lang and nate burleson who same thing like we didn't draft either one of those guys but they came and they well i know tj lang is from michigan and stuff but still like they just love detroit and they love the lions so much that they still consider themselves a quote-unquote lion like i know nate burleson says that all the time that he enjoyed lion so much that he still considers himself a lion so
1: yeah love what nate burleson for his attitude yeah so i guess if we have to overpay for either of those guys or both of these guys let's say kenny Galladay signs for 22 million a year my reaction will be yeah i wish we could have signed him for less but i'm still gonna be really happy that he signed with the team
0: Exactly, and as we mentioned before, his play these last few years has just gotten better, even with two a second and third string quarterbacks. So like I said earlier in this show, it's I would love to see him full full healthy season, him fully healthy as well as Stafford healthy all season long to see what they can do together because I think the numbers he like he could be uh Michael Thomas this upcoming year again, depending on. How well they can play and how well our offense is performing as a whole.
1: Yep, I agree with you. You want to see that continued growth, and you want to see that growth with our team. We don't want to see that growth the Packers or with the Eagles or the Cowboys or something like that.
0: Exactly, because you'd hate to see that. Like again, he's just gotten better and better every single year. than he we we let him walk. He goes like you said to the Packers or something and wins a quarterback or wins Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and all that. That'd be terrible to see yeah so also one thing uh, one thing we wanted to mention today is that the nfl camps are talking about opening as soon as mid-july which would obviously be maybe july 15th and they were originally scheduled to open on july 28th so they're moving it up a little bit things are progressing a little bit faster than we originally thought so this is obviously a good sign that the nfl season will continue as scheduled uh jimmy what is, do you have any thoughts on this
1: yeah so albert Breer reported that it the camps might open July 15th. It's not necessarily a full-on training camp with every player, but it might be sort of a limited rookie OTA type thing. Yeah. But it's great to see the NFL trying to open earlier. The reason is from a medical standpoint, it might actually be better to get any major outbreaks of COVID out of the way early before the season starts because there's, there's a chance that If you get COVID, you get antibodies and potentially you're somewhat or even significantly immune Mm -hmm. to COVID in the future, which means the chances of a positive test in the future might be significantly less. Mm -hmm. So looking at this from a statistical standpoint, would you rather have a very short training camp and then a bunch of people getting COVID during the season, which is just going to wreak havoc on the season? Or would you rather... Get COVID during training camp and just get that all out of the way. <laughs> I mean, the whole idea of flattening the curve wasn't necessarily to eliminate COVID and eliminate every, a bunch of people from getting COVID. Part of the theory was that there's a chance that we're all going to get exposed to COVID at some point. Yeah. And flattening the curve was just to help the healthcare system deal with the number of cases at any point in time Mm -hmm. so the bottom line is yeah i i'm happy that the nfl is looking Mm -hmm. to possibly opening up earlier and i think that increases the chances that we're gonna have a season go off without a hitch
0: yeah, I'm extremely excited. And as you mentioned, it'd be better. Well, again, we're all hoping nothing really happens. There's no more big outbreaks. But again, it'd rather be it now, whether early in the season, to get it out the way or whatever, than to have it in the middle of the season and have them just end up canceling the whole season or something like that. So, all right. So that's going to do it for us today. I want to thank everyone for tuning in, as always. And we will see you again next time.